welcome, welcome to TLC. Love seeing your faces. Welcome new faces, old faces. You guys are beautiful as always, as always. Man. Hey, you know, I know I'm old, right? Let me, let me tell you why I, I realized how I came to this conclusion. No, let me, I got to tell you, I got to tell you. No. Right, you know, like, when I, was, when I was in my more boastful, prideful days, right? Um, you know when people tell me, like, they can tell the weather by their joints? Right? I was like, if you're weak, just say you're weak. Just tell me about the weather with your joints, right? And then God has a way of just humbling somebody, you know? Because my whole life, I feel like everything I've said as a kid, I feel like God's just taking it back and trying to just humble me. Because can I tell you something? My knee knows when it's about to rain. It's the, uh, like, last night, I was like, uh, it's starting to hurt. And I was like, is it going to rain tomorrow? I'm like, no, I can't be like that. Wake up, drove my kid to church, and what happens? It starts to rain, man. I don't... There's some, I'm old. I feel old. I feel old. But God bless. God bless age, because comes age, comes and beauty, right? And beauty. <laughs> I'm glad to see you guys. I'm glad to see you guys. Welcome, welcome TLC, man. We are, we are happy you are here to come worship with us. If you guys did not know, we have moved into our sanctuary here in this place. This is our soft opening months until we actually spiff it up a little bit, but uh, we're glad you're here to come and worship with us. I got a good word for you, man. I got, I got the word for you, man. I'm ready to preach it. I hope you guys are ready to listen, okay? We are in a series called Game Changers, yes? Right? Because we believe, we believe that God wants to use you, right? That God has a plan for you, that God has a purpose for you to actually be a part of changing the trajectory of the life of the people around you. We believe as a church and as a community, as leaders, we believe that you are not here on accident. That if you actually even sit there right now and you believe that your life has no purpose and it's very mundane, can I tell you something? God has a purpose for why you are here. It is not just to work a nine to five. It is not just to work until you retire young and then live off of that. God has a purpose for your life to be used in a way that will change the trajectory of maybe your siblings, maybe your family, maybe your coworkers, maybe your friends. That God wants to use you to change the game. He wants to use you to, to, to bring back beauty, right, to your marriages, to bring back beauty to what it looks like to be a man, Right? In, in, in a world that is so broken and that definition of what a man is, what a woman is, is so broken that God wants to use you to restore the beauty of what it looks like that when a man who is made in the image of God begins to live out his role and responsibility, things flourish. That when a woman begins to live out her, the image of God that has been bestowed upon her, things flourish. Right? He wants to use you to restore the brokenness of Eden. And so today we want to get into that. We want to share with you guys God's word through that. Um, you know, last week we talked about there is two ways to see the world. Either you elevate or you imitate. Elevate is when you begin to see the world through the way of giving yourself. Where you are seeking for the benefit of others. You are selflessly giving rather than taking. You are seeking for the glory of God rather than for yourself. Imitating is what you do what everyone else does. You live for your own personal uh, desire and wants. You live to please yourself. You live, even the good things that you do, you do it for your own personal benefit. Either you're elevating or you're imitating. You guys follow me? 
And today, as we continue through the book of James, we're going to see how elevating and imitating begins to play a part in the community of God, right? We're going to see how it plays a part in how we build community or break community, right? Can you guys look at each other and, and say, I need you? Say, I need you, right? See, a game changer, listen up, a game changer, a game changer, right? Realize, all right, hey, 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 let's not go right? A game changer, you guys got way too excited over that one, right? Right? A game changer recognizes that they need community in their life. A game changer recognizes they cannot do life on their own. A game changer recognizes that without the brother, the sister, the people around me to spur me on towards righteousness, as the Bible says, I cannot do it on my own. You guys get me? Right? But there are things that get in the way of building community. And the thing that gets in the way of building community, you know what the, thing, you know what the number one thing that gets in the way of building community is? You not knowing yourself. You not knowing yourself. Look at the person next to you and you say, know yourself. Or do it in a sassy way. Know yourself. Right? You got to know yourself. Okay? And today we're going to talk about that. Do you know yourself? Because to the degree by which you know yourself is to the degree in which you will build a community or you will destroy a community. The degree in which you know yourself will determine whether you will actually elevate or you're just going to imitate. Right? To the degree in which you know yourself is going to determine whether you are actually building into someone's life or actually taking from someone's life. You guys follow me? So open your Bibles to James chapter 4. We're going to get into that. If you have the green Bibles in front of you, it's on page 848. Right? 848. Yeah, still around there. 848. You know, like I said, if you guys don't have a Bible, either, you know, you can keep your, the Bible in front of you or get a Bible. Then I tell you, man, this is... This is legacy. I know some of you guys are single. You're like, I'll never get married. I'll never have children, right? At least the way things are going for you, maybe, right? But, but can I tell you, right, if you have a Bible and you begin to kind of write in this, you have a chance of passing this word on to your future, to your future self, right, to your future mini-me. You know, say, hey, I want to give you a gift, the word that led me all this way to how you were born, Right? Led me to your mother, led me to your father. I wouldn't have been able to get close to them if it wasn't for this word, right? James chapter 4. James is the half-brother of Jesus, if you guys didn't know. He is also the pastor of a church who 15 years ago from this letter was scattered throughout the Roman world. They were persecuted, so all these Christian Jews were scattered out throughout the whole uh, Roman Empire. And everywhere they went, they formed these little pockets of churches, okay? And in these little pockets of churches, the expectation the hope, the heart was, would you become game changers in that town, in that city in which you have relocated yourself? Would you become people that's going to elevate the game? Would you become a group of people that's going to change the trajectory of everyone else around you? That was the hope. That was the expectation. But what James, their pastor, 15 years later found out was that as they were in these little towns, they were facing a lot of obstacles. That instead of actually changing the game, they found themselves fighting with each other. They find themselves breaking apart in community. Because here they were in these new towns, and the people in the town didn't like them because they were Jews. They couldn't get a job. They couldn't get permits for a job. And if they got permits for a job, they got... Um, uh, they got rioted against, right? They got protested against. Their, their wives in these places were harassed in the markets. Their children were, were harassed, 
right, in the, um, in, at school. It was a horrible place. They were fighting with each other. And so they begin to, like, uh, seek for, like, you know, chumming up to the rich and doing all these things to kind of really break each other down. And so James hears this, and he writes them this letter. And he says, you're meant to be game changers as you live out your faith. As your faith is lived out, you're supposed to be changing the world around you, but all you're doing is you're stuck in this place. So let me write you this letter to remind you. You guys get me so far? Let me write you this letter to remind you. So a game changer, listen, a game changer recognizes he or she needs community. Again, look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Look in their eyes and say, I need you. Right? Say it like you mean I need you. I can't do this without you. Right? But the problem, listen up, the problem that keeps us from building community, the problem that keeps us from actually building a closeness to community, a game-changing community, is ourselves. You don't know yourself well. And so James right here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, he is going to break it down for us. He is going to, uh, 1 through 12, he is going to break it down for us, and he's going to show us, okay, the issue. So let's read through it together, and then we'll uh, I'll dissect it for you guys, okay? Chapter 4, verses 1. You have your Bibles. And he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire to battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill, you covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Bow your heads. Just pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the word today. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just use this word to change the hearts of the people here. God, even at most, Lord, that you would use your word to penetrate through the walls and the shields and um, the hardness that they have around them, oh God. That your word, Lord, will help them see deeper into what's really going on in their soul, oh God. And I pray that today that you will bring realness. I pray, oh God, that you will bring honesty. I pray, oh Lord, that we will not be fake among you, fake with you, but we will embrace your word and be honest to our hearts with it. And so, God, we, uh, we pray, Lord, use me, unworthy as I am, to speak your word. Would you use me uh, to share it with conviction and power? Father God, may you and you alone 
be given glory. Amen. What is the issue that stops us from building actual community? What is the issue that actually stops us from looking at one another and really, really saying to each other, I need you and mean it? And it's the highlight, which is the center of the whole entire passage, verse 6. It says what? God opposes the proud. There is a spirit of pride that we have that keeps us from actually building community. You guys follow me? Right? There is a spirit of pride that actually is lingering, not just on the outside, but deeply into inwardly in us that keeps us from building a community. And some of you guys think, I'm not that private. I'm a pretty humble person, man, right? Can I, can I share with you? Can I break this down? Because as I break, as I break it down, I'm telling you, you will see it, right? There is two expressions here of inward expression of pride that comes out. There is two expressions inwardly of pride that manifests itself. And if you get this, you will see you will see how your pride is actually keeping you from building real community, real heartfelt, heart-binding community, right? What is the first expression of this pride? What is the first inward expression of this pride? Check this out. Look at verse 1 and 2. What does he say? He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? They're fighting they're quarreling. Don't they come from your desire that battles within you? Something's going on inside. You guys get me? That's causing fights and quarrels. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. What is the inward expression of pride? What is one of the inward expression of pride? You know what it is? Let me tell you. A competitive spirit. You're like, what? Right? James says you're supposed to be a community of people that gathers together to love one another, but you're a community that's gathering together and you're quarreling, you're fighting, you're talking about each other, you're judging each other, you're pointing fingers about each other. And this is what pride does to a relationship. Pride makes it so that you're trying to always what? Up the other person. Isn't it true? Pride is always at work in your heart trying to compete with each other. I know you guys know this since you were kids, right? If you got some, like, tiger moms in your family, you know this, right? Right? What, what do you say when you fail the test? You say everybody else failed it too, right? You never say I'm the only one that failed. You say everybody else failed it too. Because why? Because if you told her, yeah, everybody failed it except for so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, what is your mom going to say? Whoa, why can't you be like so-and-so, so-and-so? What was so special about them that you can't do it yourself, right? Why, why, can't, why can't they do it and you can't do it, right? It's, it's, it's that competitive spirit of saying, why are you inferior to them? And so you, you've grown up with this kind of mentality that wherever I am interacting with people, I should try to face myself, force myself to feel superior. I should always compete with the other person somehow, some way. You guys get me, right? It's not about pride. Let me tell you this. Pride is not about like, oh, I'm rich. Oh, thank you. Or I'm good. Or I'm beautiful, right? That's not pride. Pride is this. I'm richer, right? I'm more beautiful, right? I am greater. I am better. It's never just I'm good. Pride is not just say I'm, I'm, I'm great. Pride is when you look at somebody and say, I'm greater, 
right? Pride is when you look at somebody and say, yeah, I'm way better. Pride is when you look at somebody and say, definitely richer, right? Or when you look at somebody and say, definitely more humble than that, right? It works both ways. Pride is you always trying to outcompete the other person. And do you know, and you say, I, I, don't, I don't do that. Peter, I don't do that. Oh, really, right? Let me ask you this. Do you feel validated when you hear negative feelings about somebody else? When, when, you, when, you, when you, like, talk and you hear, like, things about them, you're like, oh, shoot, like, they, they, uh, they lost their job? Oh, man. You know, because, you know, they've been boasting about their job forever, the six figures. You're like, oh, at least I still have mine, right? Oh, they were all high and mighty about that great job they have. Now they lost it. Oh, oh, well, right? But, you know, inside you're like, yeah. Do you, do you feel wounded? Listen, do you feel wounded when you hear positive information about somebody else? Oh, they got that? Shoot, why did they get it? Ha-ha, why, why did they get the promotion? Right? That was mine. Like, how, how, what was so cool about them that they got it? Do you feel wounded when you hear something good about somebody else? You know what that is? That's the competitive spirit of pride. Because you are feeling at that moment either superior or inferior to that person, Yes? And in your heart of hearts, what you're trying to justify or validate within yourself is how do I get back up? How do I get back up there? How do I make myself feel better about myself? Right? When you meet new people, you size them up. Right? It's not the first thing we do. We size them up. Like, hey, where do we kind of like work on the totem pole? Like, am I supposed to submit to you or you submit to me? Right? Like, where, where are, are you richer than me or am I richer than you? Am I smarter than you or you're smarter? Like, we get this kind of, we don't say it out loud because it's all inward battles here. You guys get me? Right? It's all inward battles. We don't, we, no one says it out loud. That's kind of rude, right? Unless you, if you do say it out loud, then you're rude, right? <laughs> but when you're in conversation with people, when you're in conversation with people, you're not, you're not thinking of questions like, how can I help this person? How can my life be a benefit to this person? How can I elevate this person? What you're secretly having this inner dialogue in your head is like, do I have a better job than this person? Mm, no, I don't. Dang it. Or yes, I do. Okay, right? Is my wife better than this person's wife? Yeah, definitely, right? Or no, nah. dang it, why are you so lucky, right? Or who, who has the better kids? Like, you know, I, I ask that all the time, right? Like, man, why, Lord, why? Why my kids, right? Who has the better family? Who has the better body type? Who has the better apartment? Better intellect? Because we're constantly trying to outdo one another. You guys follow me? Is that you? Do you sense that in your heart? Do you sense that? Do you realize that? Do you realize this is what James is saying? Why do you do that? There's a battle that's happening inside of you. That's what we call pride. And pride, in in its inward expression, constantly forces you to compete with somebody else. It leaves you on this never-ending game of competition. Who is better? Who is greater? Who is mightier? Who is smarter? Who got their stuff together? Who is more ahead? Never satisfied. Can you, can you, can you see how that actually can break community? Right? How am I supposed to be a community with you and the whole thing I'm talking, the whole time I'm talking to you, all I'm thinking about is how much I'm better than you, right? How, how am I supposed to build a heart-bond relationship with you when the whole time that actually we're doing it together is we're trying to size each other up and see who's better than the other person? How are we going to build a real community? See, if we're actually building to a community, most of the time you're going to build a very fake community. You guys follow me? 
Right? How, many, how many times have you guys been with a lot of friends that you grew up with, and yet it doesn't feel real? Because the moment, there's, there's, there's moments in your friendship where everyone turns against each other somehow, right? There's, some, there's somehow where everyone begins to kind of like, hey, you know what, that person's not, you, you start like, hey, we're all better than you because you suck, right? But that happens a lot because there's this sense of constant, that doesn't build community. You guys follow me? But what's the second type? What's the second expression of this pride? What is the second way this, this pride expresses itself inwardly? Look at verse 2 again. It says this. You want something but don't get it. You want it but you don't get it. You kill and you covet. Everybody say covet. Covet. Covet is when you desire what others have. You're constantly looking and you're desiring what others have. You know why you desire? Because you're insecure. You're nervous. You're restless about your place in the world. You know what the second expression, inward expression of pride is? Low self-esteem. Can I tell you that? He's like, what? How can having a low self-esteem be prideful? Can I tell you, low self-esteem is actually the number one indicator of pride. Right? If you are someone who's constantly like, oh, I never get my fair share. I never get my break. Everyone else's life is going well except for mine. That's a sense of pride. Because you're constantly wanting what others have. You're wanting this glory. Do you guys get me? There's, there's a... Let me break this down on a spiritual level, okay? Let me just not break it down just practical. Let me go even deeper than that. Because deep down, right, if we believe what, who God is, if God's who he is, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the one thing we lost in that garden, you know what it was? It was glory. We had this glory that was from God. We had this perfect glory that expresses itself, that manifests itself, that showed itself before who God is because we, we, we mirrored this beautiful image of God. But then we lost that glory after the fall. And our whole entire existence now, deep down, in our quiet soul, where little you is always asking the question, do I really matter? Does what I say matter? Does what I do matter? Do people take me seriously? There's this need for glory. And you have a low self-esteem... That, that's, that's manifesting itself, that's coming up all the time because you're wondering, where is my glory? I mean, we, let me tell you, we all search for, some of you guys are like, I'm, I'm not that vain. I don't really need people to look at me all the time, PT. Trust me, right? In some weird way, you do it. Maybe it's not like the blatant, like, you know, look at me, right? But some weird way, you do it. Can I tell you how? I know this for a fact because my son does this, and he's only like, Four, right? He's four. Thank you. He's four, right? He's four. You know what he does? He says, Dad, just look at me. Look at me. I'm like downstairs. He's like, Dad, look at me. I'm like, I walk up. I'm like, what? And he's like, just look at me. And he's just coloring. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Yeah, you do, do you, right? Walk down. I'm like, Daddy, come look at me, right? So why? It's just, I'm just reading silently. I just want you to look at me. Like, why? Right? And then he, he'll be like, Dad, come look at me, poo. I'm like, Why? <laughs> Why do I need to look at it? Like, I just need you to be here. Look at me, right? It's like, are you doing something magical in there? I don't know, right? Like, you know what it is? It's this need. It's a need because we were made in the image of God. It is a need to let our glory shine, right? We always want it. Like my wife, after she cuts her hair, like, first thing she asks, like, look, smart answer, only answer is, of course, baby, looks amazing, right? <laughs> looks amazing. Like, I, like, and she's like, what's different? I'm like, you curled it, right? 
It's like, I also cut it. Yeah, I see it. It's amazing. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for, sh- yeah, beautiful, right? And then, like, you know, a couple hours later, do you like my hair? It's like, of course I love your hair. I don't feel like you told me enough, Tony. Like, do you really love my hair? Like, I love your hair. I love it so much, right? Love it, you know? Man, you know what I'm talking about, right? All you guys are like, yeah, that's my life every day, PT. You know, right? Now, is that bad? No. But what, what does that tell us? What does that tell us about the human heart? We are always, we are always seeking for glory, right? We're always seeking for glory. And when that glory becomes a need, when that, glo- when that seeking for glory becomes a neediness, when it becomes our drug for our, our acceptance, when it becomes our, our very identity, that's when you know you step into the area of pride. That's when you know your self-esteem is now dictated by how much glory someone offers to you. You guys get me? That's when, you, when, when, you're, when your self-esteem is built on the words and the affirmation of those around you, when your self-esteem is built upon what others think about you, when your self-esteem is built upon whether you receive or you don't, that's how you know you have delved into the realm of, I am seeking personal glory. I'm delving into the area of pride. You guys see that in your life? You guys see that in your life? Right? How can you build a community, a real community with somebody? Look at the person next to you. How can I build a community with you when all I'm doing when I'm looking at you is feeling sorry for myself? How can I build a community with you when all I'm doing when I'm looking at the person next to you is I'm wondering, like, how can you see me more, right? Like, there's, there's a conversation about this guy. He's, he kept talking about himself. He's like, you know, I'm, this is this, and there's this two-way conversation. And then after, like, you know, 15 minutes, the guy said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't let you tell me how wonderful I am. Won't you go ahead and tell me how wonderful I am, right? It's, it's this constant needing of tell me about me. How is that going to build? Yes, yes, follow me. How would that build community? I can't. Inward expression. See, a game changer, listen, we know we need community. We can't do it on our own. But the thing that keeps us from building community is ourselves. We don't know ourselves. Look at the person next to you and say, know yourself. Know yourself, right? Do you recognize that pride that is inwardly in you? Do you recognize that pride that is battling in your depths within you? Do you, rec- do you know that about yourself? Or have you gone through your whole entire life believing that you're just totally normal? Where, where, where the scripture tells us that thing that's going on in you, no, that's pride. Whether you're, you're constantly competing or you're constantly feeling bad for yourself, that is pride, Okay? Let's, um, let me share with you guys, though, then how does, how does pride express itself outwardly? How, how do we see it in an outward way, okay? So we, we know how it, how it expresses itself inwardly. How does it express itself outwardly? Again, look at verse 1 and 2. He's, he's talking about what? He's talking about you fight, you quarrel, you want something, you don't get it, you kill, you covet, you quarrel, and you fight over it. Go over, down to verse 11. It says this, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. So when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. So what are the two ways by which pride expresses itself 
outwardly. And that, the whole point here, guys, is I want you guys to be able to know yourself. You guys get me? I want you guys to be able to see this in you. Okay? It's not a bad thing. It's in all of us. But some of us, were in denial about this. So I want you guys to be crystal clear about that this is in all of us and especially in you. Okay? What is the two ways in which pride expresses itself outwardly? Two ways. First way is through bickering. You're fighting. Instead of expression of love, we have fighting and hatred. Think about this. Why do you, why do you, have, why do you have enemies? Why are you angry at people? Why is it when your wife or your husband says something to you or your boyfriend or your girlfriend says something to you and it gets you mad, right? Why does that come up? Because they've gotten in the way of something that you really love. They've gotten in the way of something that you really love. And so your response, they've, they have attacked your glory. They have attacked your personal glory. And now your response is to be angry, okay? Imagine this. Imagine this. Like, imagine a husband saying this to a wife, right? That's not a very loving thing you said about so-and-so, right? You're not very, I mean, you're a Christian. That's not a very loving thing to do. To imagine a wife saying this, like, how dare you, right? How, I'm oozing with love here, okay? My whole existence is about love. Don't you see who I am, right? My life is love, love, love. How dare you say, tell me that what I just said was not loving towards somebody else? What do you know? Why was the wife, some of you guys are like, man, say it out loud, PT. That's mine, right? Right? <laughs> They're like, I'm so scared. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> okay? Do you know what it is? It's because that person, they cared so much how people view them. Right? And all of a sudden, you came in and you told them that that was not a good way of expressing, that people will view you negatively. You've just taken their glory. You, you, you've, you've come in there and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a person all about love. And all of a sudden you say, no, you're not. How dare you take my glory from me? Who do you think you are? So when a person's glory is taken away, the natural response is anger. The natural response is let me fight you. The natural response is let me take your glory away. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Right? I think I told you the story once about um, uh, you know, when, um, <clears throat> when Trisha and I, we, we, we got married, lived together, right? One of the things that uh, she complained to me about and I complained to her about, kind of we just, this is us like, you know, learning how to be married to each other and stealing each other's glory for a long time, right? She'd be like, you know what, PT? I mean, PT, you know what, husband, <laughs> right? You know what, husband, right? You know what, husband, right? You're not very handy, Right? What kind of man are you? Like you can't fix you can't fix things to save your life. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like what? Like how, did you just question my manhood? Like me? Like really? Just because I can't use a wrench on a pipe? What is that? Is that what what? Like I'll be like, how come you can't cook? Right? Ooh, right? And it's like, you know, see what happened? Oh man. She came in, she tried to take my glory. Right? She took my glory from me. I was like, mm-mm. Right? So what happens? I'm going to take your glory from you. Right? And so there and by what happens? That fight went on for a while. Right? Went on woof, forever. Quarrels happen. Bickering happens. Anger happens. Right? As an expression of pride. Do you see yourself doing that? Do you see yourself talking with people and they say something that's really offensive to you? Right? And how do you respond? You get pretty mad, right? Don't you? And you're like, what the? Like, who are you? 
How dare you say that to me? Like, you, you don't even know me, bro. Like, for reals? And you, and, you, and you respond in sass. You respond in sarcasm. Sometimes you resp- if some of us are crazy, we respond in fistfights. Right? <laughs> Maybe not us. I don't know, right? A person who is set on pride, this is how you know, right? Is that when you deal with relationship, that relationship is a tool to you. That relationship is a tool to feed your ego, to feed your pride. This is how you respond to God, isn't it, sometimes? Right? Look, look, at, look at verse 2 and 3. It says what? You ask, but you do, not ask, you do not have because you do not ask God. But when you ask God, verse 3, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. See, you want God, you want people only for what you can get out of them. And when they no longer want to give it to you, when they begin to attack your pride because you're like, hey, you're just using me, what happens? You respond back in anger and quarreling because why? That is pride. You guys get me? Right? You want God and you want people because you want something out of it. Let me, let me give you an example of this, okay? Now, when I was in high school, I grew up with Hispanics, right? So I never listened to, like, Vietnamese romantic music, right? But in high school, I picked up Vietnamese romantic music, right? Like Min Thuy. You guys know Min Thuy, right? Right? Now you guys are like, who? Like, okay, never mind. Wrong crowd. But anyways, I want to let you guys know, right, there was a season when your pastor picked up Vietnamese romantic music. Some of you guys are like, what's wrong with that? I love romantic music, right? Do you know why I did it? Not because the music was amazing. Not because I was like, this is my jam. I can live with this. It's because Trisha loved it, right? Trisha loved it. And so I, I was like, yeah, I, I think I can... I think I can, I can jam to this, right? <laughs> like, well, okay. Like, I, I, I feel it. I, feel, I, mean, I don't know what they're saying, but like, I feel it, right? Like, okay, you know, we can roll to this. See, let me, can I tell you something? When you are prideful, right, you want God and you want people the way I want Vit music. You're in church, you're serving. Because why? It provides for you something. A sense of comfort, a sense of camaraderie that you're missing, Right? You're in church, and you want to impress your girlfriend because you show up, right? Parents or your boyfriend, right? You're in church because you want your parents to stop nagging you, right? God is a utility to you. He's not beautiful to you. You're not, you, you don't want to actually want to be a part of his story. You just want what he can give you. So you place condition on your worship. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything in your life that if God was to take it away, you would walk away from him? Is there anything in your life that if God was to take it away, you would walk away from him? Until you can say no to that question in some minor form or way, you see God as a tool for your benefit, not for his actual relationship. You guys get me? See, that's what pride does, guys. That's how pride expresses itself outwardly. Because you're using someone to feed this ego of yours. You're using someone to feed this glory. And when they do not want to feed it anymore, you begin to argue. You begin to walk away. You begin to quarrel with them, don't you? Right? You do this with God. See, you use God to get what you want. Say, God, I'll pray for this if you would just give me this, this, and this. 
And, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that God actually gives you all those things. Like, okay, great, I love you, I love you. But then the moment he stops, the moment he decides, I don't want to offer that to you anymore because I want you to wait and trust on me, you said, what? Who are you? How dare you tell me what I need and what I don't need? Forget you. How dare you take that away from me? And you walk away from God. See, quarreling happens when there is a sense of pride. Do you guys get me? Right? Do you guys see that in yourself? Do you see that personally? That sometimes the people around you, the things that you do, is a utility to feed your personal pride, your personal sense of worth, rather than actual, I love you, I need you, I want to be with you. What's the second way? Check it out. What's the second way that pride expresses itself outwardly? This is so important, guys, because if you actually want to build community, you got to know yourself. Look at each other and say, know yourself. You got, you got to know this about your heart, okay? The whole reason I'm preaching today is I want to make sure you know this about your heart. Because if you don't understand this about your heart, you're going to walk away from this thinking, I'm good, I'm dandy. When all the while, what you're building is castles on sand. It will break at any moment. We want to build a community that's going to last forever. We want to build relationship that actually is going to t- last the test of time. We want to build, build marriages that will not get divorced just because you quarrel over something dumb. You guys get me? And, but that will never happen until you know yourself. What is the second expression of pride? Outward expression. Verse 11, it says this, do not slander one another. You guys know what slander is? Slander is defamation of character. Slander, it's not just about lying about a person. You guys get me? It's not just saying, oh, that person did this, right? Slander is to use a negative truth about that person, to use a negative truth about that person, not to heal them, not to love them, but to punish them and to set yourself superior to them. It's to use a negative truth you found out about somebody and use it to break them. Slander is when you undermine people's, uh, the listener's respect for that person. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you guys begin to like talk among yourself, when you, you ladies start talking about your brothers in your church among yourself, right? And all of a sudden, the, brother, the brother's worth either is elevated or, or like, des, des, uh, how you go down? Elevated or descending? That doesn't sound right, right? Depreciate it, depreciate it, right? Either it gets elevated or depreciated based on your conversation. Isn't that true? Right? You begin to like kind of defame your brother sometimes. You're like, oh, and then all of a sudden, one of your sisters might be thinking, like, he's not so bad, right? And then all of a sudden they start talking, yeah, he's pretty bad, right? A negative truth about them all of a sudden gets the other listeners to disrespect that person. Slander is to weaken a person's place in community. Slander is when you start talking about somebody so much that no one takes them seriously anymore. You guys get me? No one, no one listens to them anymore because you're like, yeah, I mean, when I heard about you, I shouldn't take you seriously at all. Slander is to use words to drain somebody of their social capital. We see this all the time in the news, don't we? Right? Everyone's slandering everybody else and everyone's just all over the place. It's great, but we see this in the church. We see this in communities. How do you build a community when all you do with each other is try to 
mess with each other, right? How, how do you build a community when all you do when you gather together is to depreciate the value of somebody else, the social capital of somebody else? How do, you, how do you get into a community and you say stuff like this? Yeah, we shouldn't invite her out with us because she's kind of vain. Everywhere she goes, she just likes to take pictures. So, like, it's going to be a, like, Instagram photo op every five steps. No, I can't do that, y'all. Let's just not do that, all right? Man, just because she's a model, she thinks she can take pictures at every poll, and it'll be great. No, let's not do that, right? Or how, how, do you, how do you tend to build community if the thing you, you do when, when you gather around with your sister is like, oh, you don't know about his history. Mm-mm. You don't want to date him. Homie is so thirsty, that's all he cares about, right? Oh, yeah, you know, right? Like, let alone, maybe he's rehabilitated. Who cares, right? No, no. It's all about his past, right? Look, look at the girls he's ever dated. Look how messed up they became. You want to be one of those girls? I don't think so, right? Ooh, right? How, how do you build community if that's the kind of conversation you're having about another person? Here's his brother. He's, maybe, maybe the brother's trying to, like, get his act back together. But he ain't going nowhere because in that community, what happens? His standing is weakened. Because why? You chose to slander it. You chose to express your pride to slander and defame this person. How do you build a community, right? When you say stuff like this, man, yeah, she, I don't, you, you should, don't hang out with her. She's not a decent girl. Like, have you seen how many, how many parties she's been through the past year, man? Mm-mm. How do you do that? How do you build a community like that? You can't. And you know what's crazy? Can I tell you what's crazy? What's crazy is some of you guys are thinking, yes, yeah, I don't ever say stuff like that. That's, but you know what? You love listening to it. Ain't that true? How many of you guys love reality TV? Right? How many of you guys love what happens to Kardashians? Right? Maybe not Kardashian. Do I, do I, should I pick one? How many of you guys love? I don't know. Some of y'all just love drama, right? And you, you, know, you know, like, you just, you just need to know what's going to happen next, right? Some of you guys are really political. I just need to know what stupid thing Trump has done this week. Like, I just need to know, right? I won't sleep until I figure out, like, next, right? You love to listen to it. You know what the Bible says? Check this out. Verse 4. Verse 4. It says this. He says, you adulterous people. Isn't that crazy? We're talking about slandering. We're talking about bickering. We're talking about fighting here. And he busts out, you adulterous people. You know what adultery is? Adultery is when you're sleeping with someone that's not your wife, right? You're sleeping either with a prostitute. You're sleeping with another man, another man's wife, right? Or another woman, right? You're sleeping, you're, 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 um, you're, you're engaged in porn. All of that is part of adultery. Right? And he says, you adulterous people. It's, all, it's, it's a conversation about community, but then he brings up the word adultery. Why do you do that? I'll, bring it, uh, I'll tell you guys in a second, right? Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or don't you know, right? Or don't you know? Or, or do you think the scriptures says without reason in the spirit, in, that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. The crazy thing that James is saying here is that you may not like, you may not be the one that's actually chatting away. You may not be the one that's slandering the other person. Not, you may not be the one that's defaming the other person, but you love listening to it. And he, he likens that to adultery, adulterous. How is that? You know why? Can I tell you why? 
Because you're like, what? How is that the same? How is it the same? How is me talking or listening to the, the newest gossip the same way as a man sleeping with a prostitute or watching porn? How is that even the same? You know how? One, because you enjoy the cheap thrill of it. It's fun. Tell me more. Right? What else? Ooh, exciting. And what else he did? What else did he do? Two, self-gratification. It makes you feel good. I'm definitely better than so-and-so. Oh, I didn't know. Well, that makes me feel good to have this kind of information. Right? You live for the cheap thrill. It's self-gratification minus all the cost and inconvenience of love. That's adultery. Right? That's what happens when you get caught up in sexuality, sexual porn. It's cheap thrill, self-gratification, no love necessary. And James is saying, when you listen to slander, when you allow for gossip to penetrate into the midst of you, what are you doing? You love the cheap thrill of it. You love the self-gratification of it, and definitely you love it because you don't have to do with any, you don't have to be a part of fixing it. You don't have to be a part of loving people through it. You, you, don't have to, you don't have the inconvenience of having to deal with them because all you do is listening. Isn't that crazy? Do you know yourself, church? Do you recognize that? Right, so I know, some of you are like, I, I've never connected slander to adultery, PT. Right? You're welcome. Okay? And he says this. James, James takes all of this. And he says, how do you build a community when you are there slandering and then enjoying the slander? How do you build a community of people when you're sitting there speaking ill, lowering the, the place of your brother or your sister in the community? And how do you build a community when you sit there and you actually enjoy listening to that? How are you going to connect to anybody? And you know that. You know that. You, you know that you may not even know the person they're talking about, but because your group of friends has been talking about them so much, you kind of just buy into it. Isn't that true? And then when you actually have the courage to find out who that person is, you're like, you are nothing like what everyone else said. What just happened there? Pride. A game changer, someone who changes the life of those around them, God's vessel of change for the world, a game changer, recognizes what? They need community. They recognize. They know that. But the issue is they don't know themselves. They don't know themselves well enough. And because they don't know themselves well enough, instead of building community, they destroy community. Instead of elevating community, they imitate community. Instead of actually being real, they become fake. Instead of actually connecting a heart to heart, you connect in a shallow manner to one another. Always feeding one each, other, each other's ego instead of actually being honest with each other's hearts. All right? So what's the cure for this? You guys recognize this all of us? Right? Look at the person next to you. Say, know yourself. Say, know yourself. Oh, my Lord. I did not know that about myself at all, PT. Know yourself because we recognize that this is in all of us. Myself included, everybody 
fights and struggles with the competition of feeling superior. Everybody struggles with the sense of low self-esteem. Everybody struggles with trying to boost up your ego and fighting when, you're, when your pride is attacked. Everybody struggles with slander. But the question is not to stay in the struggle. It's how do I find the cure for the struggle? Because I know that if I'm going to help change the world around me, if I'm going to help bring about transformation to friends, family, coworkers, the world, the town, the city next to me, the one thing that has to change is my pride. The one thing that has to go is my pride. How do I find the cure for this? Thank you. It is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Two things. Let me break this down for you. Look at verse 6 to 10. 6 to 10. Yes, yes, tracking with me? Right? 6 to 10. We're almost there, okay? 6 to 10. This is what he says. Uh, in spite of all those crazy things, you quarrel, you fight, you covet, you want to kill, you adulterous people. In spite of all those things, look at what he says in verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the, say it, humble. Submit yourself then. This is the first thing. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and change your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. The first thing you need to know as you begin this battle of eradicating pride from your life is you have to first recognize this truth in yourself. You got to humble yourself to a degree where you are understanding that you are committing the very same sin that you are condemning people for. You guys get me? Instead of thinking your pride was like, how could that person do that? You begin to recognize that you are committing the very same sin that you have just condemned your sister and your brother for. Why does, why does James say to grieve, to wail, to mourn? Why does he say turn, turn your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom? Why does he create, why is he calling us to create such a repentive attitude? He said, if you're really going to, what James is really saying is if you're really going to heal, if you're really going to say that I want to build community, if you're really going to say that I want to free myself from the pride that is poisoning me inwardly and outwardly, you got to know yourself. You have to be corrected. You have to take a whiff of the trash that's in your heart. And you have to be honest with that. And you have to realize how broken you actually are. You guys follow me? You got to realize how much how much you actually don't know about yourself. How, how, you have to realize how often you fight for superiority. You got to realize how often, right, you are constantly, constantly in the self-esteem mode, bickering and fighting for your own pride and your own ego. How constantly you are slandering those just to make yourself feel better. You recognize the very thing that you're condemning people for that's in your heart. Would you take a whiff of that in your own soul? See, the only reason why you're trashing other people, can I be honest with you? The only reason why you're trashing others with your tongue is because of the trash that's inside of you. The Bible says this. The Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So here you are. You're using your mouth. 
quarrel, to fight, to defame, to slander. Where's that coming from? Right here. From the heart. It's from your heart. Do you recognize that? See, that's where it starts. And so James is saying, mourn for that. Grieve for that. Turn your joys and your laughter, like, ha-ha, with your buddies and realize, shoot, I'm just as bad. I'm just as awful. Check your heart. Know your heart. Know yourself. You're not the center. But here's the second thing. Not only do you have to recognize the deep trash that's there. And I say trash as if it's like, but it's, that's what it truly is. That, that James would liken slander to adultery. It's so true, isn't that? Seeking for the cheap thrill, the self-gratification, right? For the sake of the inconvenience, without having to deal with the inconvenience of love. That's what slander is. That's what pride does. I don't have to deal with that person. I don't even love that person. I can just talk about that person until I'm blue in the face. Would you recognize that in your heart? But not only that, second, what you need is you need a God that actually sees that and not slander you. To see the negative truth about your heart and not defame you. You need a God who sees the very nakedness of who you are and embraces you. You need that, right? Look at verse 4. He calls us an adulterous people, right? The only way that you can be an adulterous person, the only way, like, as a husband that you can be called an adulterer, right, is that you were married. You guys get me? You're married. That's how you call, you'd be called an adulterer, right? And so when God, when James is saying you adulterous people, he is, he is alluding to this relationship you actually still have with God. It's not just any, it's, it's still a marriage relationship. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the groom, that the church is the bride. That the bride, though, is being adulterous, has a groom that is doing what? Has a groom that, ha- that, that is not an enemy. This guy is not an enemy. There's a groom here that is actually loving. This is the picture of Hosea and Gomer, right? Where this prophet is, 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 God calls this prophet to marry this prostitute who constantly prostitutes herself, and he's married to her, right? And he has to constantly go out there and find her and bring her home. And it's a picture of God to his people, saying, though you constantly in your heart are running, adultering your heart to something else, I'm still running after you. I'm still chasing after you. And look at what it says in verse 5. It says this. Check this out. It says, do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies us intensely? That God is jealous for you. That God, he envies intently for you. What it suggests is this, that he sees your naked truth. He sees the horrible brokenness that's there, that's hiding there, that you've actually covered up yourself, that you refuse to actually acknowledge. He sees all of that that you've been hiding from the world. He sees it clearly, and he refuses to let you go. He envies for you intently. He refuses to let you go, although he sees it in you. How many people of you, how many of you are like that, who sees the naked truth of somebody, the ugliness of that person, and actually chase after them? Majority of the time, 
when we see the naked truth of somebody, James says what? We quarrel, we run, we bicker, we slander them. And yet we have a God who sees the naked truth about us and envies us intently, chases after us, wants us. And what's more, look at verse 6. Bring it home right here. The Bible says he gives us more. Say the word. Grace. He gives us more grace. What does Jesus do about us? He gives us more grace. He follows us into the dump. He picks up our hearts. He remolds it. Not with guilt. He doesn't, he doesn't try to change you by guilting you. Say, stop doing that or someone stop loving you. He takes you. He finds you where you're at, who you are, as you are. And he builds you back. He heals you. He speaks a better word into you. He calls you loving. He calls you worthy. He calls you beautiful. He calls you home. It does not matter where you've been or what you've done. You're still mine. It doesn't matter how in your naked truth you are so broken. I will still have you. How does he do this? How does he do this? He bears it himself, right? He became the very thing that we are, naked, slandered, shamed by everybody, shamed for the world to see, stripped for the world to see. No one comes to his rescue. He did that so that you can be brought home. The gospel says you are so dirty that Jesus had to do this for your sake, right? But it also says that you are so loved that Jesus was willing and glad to do this for your sake. And to the extent which you understand that, to the extent, and when you take those two truths, that you are, that you are so dirty that Jesus had to take your place, but you are also so loved that he was willing to do that, when you understand those two truths together, then you become the game changer. Then you can change lives. You know why? Because now, now, you look at people. In verse 12, it says this. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? When you begin to understand that truth, you look at a brother, you look at a sister. Now you can build community. You know why? Because you look at them and you will never say, how can I possibly judge you? When my God has saw the nakedness of me and ran for me and embraced me and loved me and called me worthy and gave his life to show it to me, how can I look at you now and slander you? How can I look at you now and try to feel like I'm superior to you? How can I look at the very image bearer of God and feel like I need to outdo you? You see, when we understand what Christ has done for us, all of a sudden our minds, our hearts, reach, it gets transformed, it gets renewed, and we see our brothers, we see our sisters, and we say, how can I help you? How can I bless you? What can I do to chase after you? See, at TLC, one thing we always say, okay, is that there's never a lost cause. We will run after you, right? Either you completely run away, right? We still around, we'll run after you, right? You'll run after you until you take your last breath because you are not lost until you're dead, okay? Until your last breath because we don't think we're superior. We know that we are just lost, just as lost as you are. 
We're in the same field, guys. To the extent we understand the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ is to the extent in which we will build real community. You guys follow me? Right? If I look at you, look at the person next to you, say, know yourself. Right? Know your pride. Know, know, know the pride that's beating here. Know the pride that is, that is alive here. And, you know, can I call up the praise team? Know the pride that is beating in your heart. Know the pride that is, that is eating at your soul. Know the pride that is poisoning you from the inside out. Know that pride. Because once you know it, then you can actually find healing for it. Once you know it, then you can actually look to the cross to understand that pride in you, that brokenness in you. And you can see what Christ had has done to free you from it. And when you have that, man, can I tell you, you will see people a different way. I promise. I promise you. You will see people a whole different way. They are not lost. They are not lost. They are not outside the realm of saving. You see people and you just ask the question, what can my life do to help them? And that's how you begin to change people's life. You get me? When you begin to just say, what can my life do to help you? transformation, game changers. Let's bow our heads, guys.